dialed in to Talking Into Infinity, a Dream Theater podcast. Follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube for schedules of live upcoming broadcasts where you can be a part of the show. What is up, everybody? Welcome to episode five of Talking Into Infinity, a Dream Theater podcast. I am your host, John. With me is my very good friend and co-host, Brian. What is going on, man? Not much, man. It's been two weeks. It's hard to believe. I'm super excited to get into this episode. <laughs> you say that every time. I can't believe it's been two weeks. At I some know. point, you're going to have to get used to the two-week the two week time span. <laughs> and I also say I can't wait to get into this episode. I'm excited. So that's pretty lame, too. It played out. We all have our we all have our our fallbacks, man. So, Great. Um, yeah this this is gonna this is gonna be an interesting one. I, you know, this is uh, basically the the second half of a question that we were asked in episode one. Uh, one of my buddies asked me if you had to provide a list of gateway songs to get people into the band, what would those songs be? And then conversely. What would what songs would you say define Dream Theater? Are, are they most extreme in terms of you know pro, you know progressive pro, progressive wise or heavy wise or you know in terms of being complicated things like that? So that's what we're tackling tonight is the list of songs that we kind of think are the most Dream Theater esque. Uh, so I, it was it was it was interesting coming up with this list because I had a couple immediately that were just obvious for me. How how did you come up with your list? Because it was it was weird for me. This was tough, man. I'll just say that right off the bat. You know, I ended up kind of. Um, I had a couple of parameters. One was, you know, sort of a prog feel with really just cool instrumentation going on, and I wanted some melody as well because um, I think I you got to have both of those uh, when those are are completely kind of separate entities. It it takes away. Um, from the essence of dream theater, in my opinion, now, obviously every song has a little bit of elements of both, but um, yeah, I tried to kind of keep it melodic but progressive also. And you know, most of these are going to be longer songs. I may have a few that are a little bit shorter, um, but yeah, this is kind of a wide subjective uh, opinion on these. I think what we're trying to do here. Yeah, I um, it, it, it I wouldn't say it was as difficult for me. It was it was almost more difficult to figure out what to keep off of the list. And it, it almost turned into for a while, like it was almost kind of like my, my favorite dream theater songs it was that was the kind of list it started turning into for me. Uh, it was, it, it was really interesting to kind of visit these songs and, you know, it, it, it was, it was a lot, it, it had a lot to do with like replay value for me. I think those were two things. The, that was one of the things I looked at. And the other thing was, my friends who don't like the band, if these songs would totally turn them off, then they made the list. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, because to me, that's you know the, the all the all the you know the essence of what the band is is what they don't like. So it's like if this really affects them in a negative fashion, that's like okay, that means that's exactly like you know what to, what Dream Theater is to me. You know, yeah. all those really cool elements and like the length and the you know the complexity and stuff like that. So, right. It, it was it was interesting, and I I really couldn't believe how long minutes wise my playlist was when I came up with all my songs because I I pulled out ten I pulled out ten songs, okay, and it the it, it got pretty lengthy, so uh, I did say 
when we were texting about this the other day that I was going to go first this time because you went first last time and stole one off of my list. So I'm going to see ahead. if I can <laughs> I'm going to see if I can get you. Um, all right. So I did. I also told you that I feel like I cheated a little bit. Uh, th- this this might be a cheat right off the bat. I am starting my list off with in the presence of enemies. <laughs> I'm combining one and two. Did I steal it from you? That was going to be the first one I started with. Too. <laughs> <laughs> exactly what happened last time. I know, I know. Yeah, I um, like I said, I don't, I don't know if that's considered cheating, but no, it's it, fine. You're gonna, you're gonna use them both, huh? Yeah, I mean it's all yeah. one song. I mean that's that's how it was written, right. and they ju- they split it up because you know on the on the previous record they already had Octavarium, so they didn't want to you know have another twenty plus minute song after already having done that. So uh, this this to me, you know, Systematic Chaos is a really weird record for me, and um, I'll I'll save that for whenever we do our deep dive. You know, going into that detail, but this uh, this song for me is absolutely it's like everything you could expect from dream theater i mean it literally has everything you know it's got mellower parts it's got the really progressive stuff it's got the real atmospheric things uh even lyrically it's like one of those john petrucci things where it's like a you know fantastical in in lyrical content um and and one of the things that really stands out to me it's one of my all-time favorite things they've done that moog the like the the organ in the outro of the song mm-hmm. i love that part and i have to say there is not nearly enough moog in dream theater <laughs> if that's <laughs> if that's the sound jordan can get out of that he needs to do it way more because that was awesome <laughs> so uh yeah this this is this is a huge one for me this is this is a total banger as far as i'm concerned i i come back to uh, you know this song as a whole all the time and when i saw this tour I saw I saw it back to back nights in in Columbus and then Cleveland. Uh, I, I got to see it two nights in a row in its entirety, and it was just awesome. One of the best songs they've ever done live, in my opinion. So, uh, what what do you have on this one? So I picked part one, and the reason I picked part one is this was I told you before I had my couple different phases with the band, and I had sort of been I'd sort of fallen off the uh, the Dream Theater train, you know, no pun intended, with Train of Thought. <laughs> uh, to an extent, um, you know, I just really wasn't, I wasn't thrilled with that album. I won't, you know, again, we won't dive too deep into the albums here because we're going to do all those anyway, deep dives, um, so to speak. But that opening, just those opening notes of this song, man, you just, you just know you're in for this huge, you know, massive musical ride again. Yeah. And like this just signaled, man, just the sound of this album, the sound of the keyboards, the sound of the guitars, the, the drums, like everything. It just said to me that these guys are back and they mean business. This is the dream theater I know and love. It's just so musical, so melodic. And um, it, one and two are two completely different, even though it's the same song. Obviously, it's separated. But if you have them as two separate entities, you know, you start out and you basically have five, six minutes before you get any vocals of part one, whereas part two is the exact opposite. You know, you don't get the jam yeah. until the very end and you call back to the original, you know, riffs that came out. But I love all the little circular stuff, especially um, when everything kind of breaks down right before the vocals come in, you know, and that guitar is sort of echoing itself. with That's real circular riff. It's yep. just it's a great, you know, probably one of their best opening tracks ever, honestly. Because, you know, for me, it signaled that, man, this is the dream theater I know and love. And I, I never fell off the bandwagon again, you know, once this album came out. 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. It's it's definitely one of the strongest openers that they've had. Uh, I'd say for me, it's up there with the Glass Prison. Um, trying to think what other ones are just really kind of like, obviously, I mean, you got to go with Pull Me Under for obvious reasons. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, if I really had to quantify it, I would say that this and the Glass Prison represent to me their best two album opening tracks. Uh, and I think it's, you know, for the reasons that you mentioned, it's like, you know, as soon as it comes with the, you know, it gets, it gets to the point pretty quickly there, uh, which, which is, you know, what you want. It's like you, when you, when you dig into a dream theater record, you're like, okay, let's do this. And it gets right to the point, which I, I, I've always thought was really, really cool. So, um, yeah, I, I'm a big fan. This is, this is one of my all time favorite dream theater songs. So, uh, all right. So that's, that's mine. Uh, Let's go to one on your list now. Uh, I'll go to one maybe you didn't think I was coming out with. I'll go to Lines in the Sand. Wow. Okay. So off of you know your favorite album of all time, yep. Falling into Infinity, you get those yep. those awesome like big sweeping keyboard you know moog riffs to start out the song. Then you've got a lot of almost you know bluesy jazz you know kind of thing, especially towards the end. There's some really you mentioned uh, Steve Lukather earlier. There's some really kind of Lukather fusion guitar stuff going on at the very end you know last two three minutes of this song that i love and i really like the vocals in this and uh you know this this album the production on it's just i've grown to really love the production on this album um i love the way the drums sound and and shireen's keyboards are just man he really i think this song too he sounds great on yeah i i completely agree i mean you nailed it it's 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 from my favorite album and the production sounds great and it's got uh, you know, it's one of the longer songs on the record, and it, it's this is a perfect example of, you know, I, I've I've always said, you know, what we were talking about in, the, in our in the first episode regarding our favorite songs or favorite albums, excuse me. You know, it's kind of got that jam feel to it. It's not that you know, always razor precise, you know, progressive delivery. It's it's got more of like a rock feel to it, which is really cool. And, um, you know, it's got that call and answer vocal with Doug Pinnock from King's X, which which adds like a really interesting, you know, sidebar to everything. It's not just your standard, you know, chorus and everything. It's, you know, the whole guest vocal thing with a totally different singer is awesome. So uh, it also features the Delfuvio Monks. So that's good. The, the only the only record featuring the Delfuvios. So um, I did not know that. I learned something today. Yeah, it's uh, yep, the, the Delfuvios, man. Basically, it was just uh, John and Mike and, and uh, Derek. And okay. They had this they, this stupid nickname they called themselves and they're doing backing vocals. So, like, <laughs> um, yeah. So you know, gotta love the Delfuvios. Uh, yeah. If you, it, so um, yeah, it's cool. If you're if you're looking for something interesting, uh, interesting to listen to out there regarding this song, they put out for. Um, uh, the Falling Into Infinity record, they have like a whole bunch of like studio outtakes. It's like how they crafted the songs and stuff. It's kind of like a making of. There's like a 45 minute version that you can find. One of my buddies had a longer one, and I've got to find. I have it on like an MP3 disc, but it's about an hour long. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, the Doug Pinnock stuff, like him just trying things out. And there's like alternate takes of what he did, and it's it's really really cool. So that's um, yeah. Good choice there, man. And anytime you pull something off of falling into infinity, I'm I'm always a fan. So uh, I, I I'm I'm gonna go with my next one, and this probably shouldn't be a surprise. I probably gave it away on the last episode, and I just mentioned it earlier. Uh, the Glass Prison. 
So that is easily one of my again one of my favorite songs a lot a lot of these songs like i found myself going yeah these are like my favorite songs to listen to the ones if i only have you know like 20 minutes 30 minutes like you'd want to listen to a few songs but i always end up coming back to a lot of these and getting like maybe one or two songs and you know, I, w- I won't dwell too much on this one just because we you know we just did the deep dive into six degrees but this song is just unrelenting it kicks ass all the way through and it, it just you know as soon as it kicks in with that heavy chord you're just going for 13 minutes and it is just awesome all the way around i saw this song live a couple times and it was just an ass kicker every single time and it's you know there it has all those progressive elements but i think it's also a perfect example of when you talk about the heavy side of dream theater I think this is a perfect example of that because you've got all those crunchy guitars and like the really driving riffs and stuff like that. Like this is this is really a good example of Dream Theater at their most metal. Um, so that's I'm a huge I'm a huge fan of that. Yeah, it's hard to add a whole lot to this because, like I said, we just talked about it. But um, you know, we said before, I said before, this I think is Portnoy's finest drumming performance, and this song, the drums on it are just amazing. All the little cool double bass parts. It's just a giant, huge metal, you know, monolith of a song, really. And like I said, it's 13 minutes. It doesn't really seem that long, you know. Jordan's got his little cool parts he gets to do, too, you know, to add just enough to sort of break up some of the heaviness in there. And, uh, yeah, this is this is definitely one of their best. That's an excellent word to describe this song, monolith. Yeah. That is a really, really good word to use. <laughs> as soon as you said that, I was like, man, that is that is perfectly descriptive for this song. You know, it's just big and heavy and it's, you know, it's just in your face. <laughs> it's so good. So, uh, all right. So w- w- what is your next one on your list? So this uh, this song has to be in here, I think. Dance of Eternity. I don't right, see how I, 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 have, I have that one, yeah. Yeah, I don't see how you can leave that out. I, have you seen the? There's a so there's a video on YouTube where I think Portnoy, is it Portnoy or, or another drummer goes? I think it's Portnoy goes through and writes out every single time change as it's happening to sort of show you what's going on in the song. It's absolutely amazing. It's a sweet video if you get a chance to see it. But uh, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, just this is like Jordan Rudess is uh, you know, I don't say coming out party, but it, it sounds you know, all the cool stuff he does on this, especially that little insanely 300 mile an hour ragtime thing he does in the middle of it that was gonna bring that up yeah it's just a cool musical you know it's five minutes it's not too long you know if this if this thing was probably eight minutes that's probably three too long you know you just you get Mm -hmm. just enough of it you know enough of little things changing here and there and especially that that ragtime thing breaks it up and uh it's it's cool you know it fits it fits in with you know with scenes because there's nothing else like like it on that album whatsoever obviously and uh, yeah, it's got to it's got to be in the prog prog list. I think. I completely agree. Uh, I, I actually have it in my notes to mention the ragtime piano. I love that. That's another thing I love when they do. Which there's almost none of it in their catalog, but when they pull it out, you're just like, "What the heck was that?" Uh, it also has that insane John Mayung bass solo, like the double tapping thing that he, that, you know, it's. I he's the guy's just a monster, and. It, if you're if you're if people ask you, well, how musical is Dream Theater? I heard that they noodle and do all this crazy stuff, and you don't want to give them something like a change of seasons. This is a perfect like time capsule of everything that people think the band is musically. You've got all the crazy guitars. You've got like the, you know the 
the doubling parts, like I just said, like the bass solo. Um, you know, it's really what people who don't know the band think about when they think of what they've heard about Dream Theater. All of it is in this song musically. So it's yeah, I like I said, I I, I was pretty sure we were both going to have this one. So this was this was not a surprise. So, all right. So my next one on my list, I am going to stay with the Six Degrees theme. I'll get those out of the way. Uh, the Great Debate. I think this song is phenomenal. It, you know, th- as I said before, I think this is Mike Portnoy's best song drum wise in the catalog. I, I just love how it's constantly busy. The it, it, there's always something in, interesting to the ear. There's a lot of changes to this one, and it's always unique. And it, you know, it's got some really interesting sound effects to it. The lyrics, you know, they're they're kind of thought provoking. You know, it's about the whole stem cell research type of thing. And just as as a package, th- this was a song. This was the song outside of the glass prison that stood out to me the most when I first got this album. Because you know, obviously the glass prison comes out, and you're like, "What in hell was that?" And then as I listened to the record, the other song that did that to me was "The Great Debate." So this has always been a favorite of mine, and I've always this is one I come back to all the time. Yeah, again, we you know it was, it was only two weeks ago, but I, you know I did I didn't even think about putting this song on the radar. <clears throat> Excuse me. I love all the sound bites to it. You know, we compared it to. Uh, I said Gods of War is what it reminded me of. You know, yeah. had that feel to it. Um, love all the drumming. All the guitar parts are great. You know, it's it's a long song. But yeah, I think this is quintessential dream theater with a little extra element thrown in with those sound bites and stuff that they don't do in too many songs. Yeah, it it's definitely something that they... It, it really stands out in the catalog as one of the more interesting songs. It, there's not really anything else like it that they do. Uh, it's... I, I was trying to think of other songs that are similar to this, and there, there aren't really any that I really thought of. So I, I like that aspect of it. It brings something completely unique to the table. Uh, it's very, very interesting, as I said, you know, uh, orally, A-U-R. Uh, and again, it just always grabbed me because I'm like, man, what the heck is that? So it, it's just some, something about it has always been incredible to me. A Gibson Les Paul says, patiently waiting for Scarred to be mentioned. Do you have Scarred on your list? No. Um, that's an interesting song. You know, I was going through Awake and just kind of taking some general notes on on stuff. You know, can I really pick anything off of here? Um, that one ha- almost has like a, a lynch mob, kind of a bluesy, hard rock feel to it to me, you know, yeah. before the vocals come in. Um and, you know, at one point, he almost sounds like Rob Halford in the middle there. He's really getting up there in a the stratosphere. Um, yeah. I don't know if I would call this proggy. You know, I mean, if, if you love this song and think it's a great song, that's cool. Um, I don't think it fits the definition of what I was doing here, but hey, man. Yeah, I would I would agree with you. I'd, I'd say it's close. This This one doesn't really go off the rails too much. And it's definitely one of my favorite songs from the Awake record. And you you mentioned it before I could get into it. You know, Labrie's vocal on this gets pretty pretty crazy in there. Um, but yeah, this one for me, I, I thought about this one as I was going through the track listing and, and listening to a bunch of records. And I, I thought about this one. And again, it while I love it, 
I, I wouldn't be able to necessarily say, okay, this is one of those insanely progressive, you know, dream theater songs. It doesn't have one of those extreme elements to it. Um, you know, again, you know, to repeat the term, it kind of stays a little more on the rails than, you know, other songs that I have, you know, in my, in my list. So, uh, thanks for chiming in there, Gibson, Les Paul. Appreciate it. All right. So what is next on your list? Uh, I'll go with breaking all illusions. <laughs> I knew we were both going to have that one. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how you can, you know, it. I look, it's, it's so full of melody too. But it's like, man, it's to me, it's their. Well, we won't give away the the obvious other one that's going to be in here, but it's just the, <laughs> the perfect combination of just cool prog type parts with a great melody and the moods constantly changing. And and John Myung just he just drives this whole song, man. Like, yeah. like no, I mean, he's just driving it like, you know. <laughs> I love his bass tone. I love every note he plays. It just seems to fit perfect in this song. And this is one of those songs we just keep talking about. I wish they would just play it every time live. Yeah, it's it. It definitely translates live incredibly well. I one of the things that I noticed about it when I was re-listening to it today was, and I, I think this is one of the reasons why I had it on my list was, you know that that chorus and some of the other vocal parts they have that enormous i'll use the word majestic sound to them that a lot of the best dream theater progressive songs have you know it's just that soaring full massive sound to it it's like almost like uplifting like i say majestic that was the that, that word just came to mind immediately when i was listening to this today and that's one of my favorite aspects of the band when they get into those moments and this this song has a few of those, so you know, and it's it, like like I say, it's just how do you keep it off the list? I I knew you would have it on there, and I still put it on mine. <laughs> I, was, yeah. I was like, I can't not have it represented. So that's one of the reasons why I you know came up with ten because I was quite sure that there would at least be this one we would cross over. So we'll uh, maybe, we'll, maybe maybe there'll be others, but I knew this was you know a given. So, uh, all right. So I, I'm now going to hit my favorite record and I'm going to go with my all time favorite dream theater song, trial of tears. I, this song has it all for me. It's it's something about this song melodically is just beautiful and it has always grabbed me. And I think it's a really, really awesome way to end the falling into infinity record, you know, on an album that's more of a rock feel and a little bit a little bit more loose and I use that term very loosely no pun intended you know this this is quintessential dream theater and they throw it in at the end of a record that really stands out as like a sore thumb in their catalog and it kind of makes you go yeah yeah that yeah this that's a dream theater song it's a dream theater record so something about it like I say is just this it's it's going to be cheesy but I think it's beautiful I absolutely love the melodies throughout the whole thing even when it gets to you know the heavier parts, I just they it's it's a perfect piece of music for me. Yeah, I knew you would have this on there. I put it on my list anyway. Uh, I didn't want to take it though. I let you, I knew you were going to get it. So, <laughs> but I love the beginning. Um, really reminiscent of Rush Power Windows uh, era with the, the guitar tone and the big giant production on the drums. And I don't know if you noticed at the very end of the song, did you notice where they do the intro for Xanadu basically with the right at no. the very end? Yeah, I don't know if that's like mallets, <laughs> mallets or whatever that thing is. Yeah, they, it's so obvious exactly what they did. Like 
they, they did that little intro part from before Xanadu kicks in by Rush. But they do <laughs> no, just little cool, it. silly things like that that make it fun. Yeah, this is a great song. I mean, it's got the length. It's got all, you know, great groove. It's the mood of it's awesome. You know, like I said, I love all the guitars on it. Um, this one, I think, has to be in there, too. Yeah, I I, com- I completely agree. Uh, this was this was my a number one choice. I mean, if I if I actually had to rank the songs, I would say this would be number one, and the Great Debate would be number two for me. Uh, again, this song just it's it's a perfect Dream Theater song for me. There's zero flaws with it. There's no parts of it where I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. The whole thing is just awesome. So I you know this this for me was a no brainer. So it was well, very I, easy to start my list with this song. I kind of agree with you, too, about how they end the song with this. And you're like, oh, this is kind of, you know, the rest of the album is a lot different than, you know, most of their stuff. But this is really kind of fits more in their wheelhouse, you know? Yeah. I mean, this this is one this is one you hear and you're like, OK, cool. You know, that's that's what I think of when I think of, of Dream Theater. But then you can't really say that about stuff like Anna Lee or Take Away My Pain, you know, so, like You Not Me. There, there's a lot of different stuff on this album, and this this one kind of really roots it in that classic dream theater sound. And I, I just think that's a great way to close the album. All right, so what is next on your list? I went I went with Pale Blue Dot off the last album. Oh, okay. Yeah, I I first time I heard this song, I love the keyboards and just that eerie feel of the you know you feel like you're in outer space, you know, looking down yeah. at, at the earth and you know. This whole idea, too, of and I don't know how much you want to read into this, but you know, you're sort of they're sort of out there in the universe searching for things, you know, to save us, you know, but who's going to save us from ourselves? I love that whole idea of like, oh, we're looking for this and that, but we can't even like coexist together. So if we go get find something else, how's that going to be any better? You know, we we've yeah. already screwed this up totally. You know, <laughs> I sort of get I sort of get that sentiment of the feeling to it. But uh, the drums on this, man, I don't I don't know that Mangini on any other song goes as crazy and is expected to play some of the stuff that he plays you know when this song is really cooking in the serious prog parts yeah um yeah and he you know he's every bit as good as portnoy and you know if you want to say better whatever you know we're not going to get into that argument but i mean i think his playing on this is great you know plus you know the way it starts yeah. out in the drums and everything and yeah uh, yeah i just i love this song yeah, I I completely agree. Like the drum, when it comes to the like with that speed hand that only he can do, um, you know, I I I think this is a really good example of you know them them being able to put a couple different influences within the same song. You know, I I always thought that the intro was and just staying on that low note and and just making it just that driving staccato thing. To me, that always sounded like something that they wrote live in a room together, which is how they wrote, you know, the Distance Over Time album. It sounded very just guys, just this rocks and just jamming and not they didn't overthink it. They didn't go, okay, we need it. We need a couple more notes here. You know, we can keep through. They just went, no, this drives. We're going to do this. And you get that. You get that part to it. But then you get, like you said, the prog parts in the middle come in. So it's it's kind of like, you know, two worlds colliding in this one. It's like their progressive roots and their metal roots you know, kind of like smashed together in one song and they really blended it seamlessly. In my opinion, uh, this is definitely one of my favorite songs on the album. The the thing that's interesting to me is how everyone always called this song out when the record, when, when the record first dropped, everyone's like, Oh, pale blue dot, pale, pale blue dot. 
And I was expecting it to be one of those 15-minute, like, opus type of things. And the song isn't even 10 minutes long. <laughs> yeah. I was really surprised by that. Uh, so that, that was interesting to me. Yeah, I think it's like eight in the last minute is kind of more, I think it kind of fades out atmospheric stuff at the end there, if I remember correctly. So, yeah, yeah it's not as long as long as you think. But, yeah, I, this plus I think they played this live when we saw them, and it sounded great. Yes, yeah, that was that was in the set list. Yeah. Uh, Man, they played a bunch of stuff on that on that record. I just once, you know, the sidebar. I really, I really hope they play uh, "Viper King" at some point. I love that song. Uh, uh, Cody says, "I always thought Pale Blue Dot had a little bit of a gent influence." I I could see that. I could definitely see that. Um, I mean, it's obviously not going to be as gent as what we'll probably hear on the new record with that eight string, but (laughs) yeah. yeah, I, I can I can definitely hear that. This is this was definitely you know Petrucci going in that really heavy direction a few times in this song. You know, especially like you know like I said going back to that to the intro riff of just that driving staccato thing. Um, but yeah, I, I can I can definitely hear the gent in there too. I, I think I think that's I think that's good opinion. I think that's good. All right, so my next one on my list, I'm going to cheat again. So I am uh, smashing two songs together that originally were two so- were one song, and they got split up by James Labrie of all people. So, but I'm sticking them together because I think you know this is one of those groupings that I think fans always kind of look at as a combination. I'm going with uh, the Mirror and Lie. I think that's I think this is definitely when you know Dream Theater fans. If, if someone's like, "Oh, are they heavy?" I mean, I think everyone's gonna immediately think of the mirror. You know that you know the ugh 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 ugh. You know everyone everyone goes to that one, and lie is just just such a kick ass guitar player song, and this is you know to me the best part of the awake record is these two songs, and I mean it's it's heavy, and it's very interesting to the ear. Um, I would be interested to see how this was actually put together because, you know, in, in the Lifting Shadows book, you know, James says that it was one song and then he heard the the thing that became Lie and he went to the guys. He said, man, this this sounds like a, you know, this, you know, this, this sounds like a whole separate song. Like, we got to break this out. And they're like, okay. Uh, but it initially started out, you know, as one song. And this, it, 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 again... If someone's asking me like, "Oh, how heavy are they?" This is what I will show them. Uh, you know, there's there's other really heavy moments like we already talked about the glass prison and stuff. But I would say that this would be the hallmark if you're going to say, "Yeah, this there's a metal band in here." These would be the this would be the the the, the, the two songs I would show them. Yeah, it's got that super. I call it dry, super dry chugging guitar riff, and yes. then and then and then you get this weird. I don't say it's weird, but the organs. Like, playing these borderline baroque type Bach progressions. Um, and then what I really love is at the one point towards, I think the middle or the end, it's this, it's a Joe, almost a Joe Satriani type of riff on top of it. Kind of reminds yeah. me of that summer song riff, you know, like the little, <laughs> that little, uh, you know, it's a sort of a distorted, you know, really cool little lick there though. But I, I love yeah. how it fits in on that song. I knew you would have this one in there. I would, <laughs> I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have put it on my list, but this is one of the ones on awake. I'm pretty cool with. Lie, I'd sort of looked at Lie a little bit. It's you know decent song. Um, doesn't do a ton for me though, just in general. And so I, I wouldn't have put it on this list. 
Really? You're not really a big fan of Why? This album in general, again, I don't want to get too. I, I'll go out. I absolutely hate the production on this album. I'll just coming off of images. Wow. And words, yeah, I know. I, I hate the way the keyboards sound on this. I think the keyboards sound horrible on this album. And we talked before. Che- Kevin Moore was kind of checked out. Yeah. I don't know if that's why, but the keyboard sounds, the piano sounds are terrible. Like it's almost like a, a digital piano before digital pianos were really good, you know? Um, Man. But uh, yeah, this, the production on this album, I, especially coming off of images and words, I just didn't, I didn't think lived up to it, but. Wow. That is crazy. <laughs> maybe we should, maybe we should do that for our next episode, doing a wake deep dive. I want to, I want to get into that. <laughs> Well, I, I love yeah. I love the production on this record. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's weird because you listen to the first album. Okay, we know what that sounded like. Then you listen to Image and Words, and you're like, oh god. Then you listen to this, and then you go to Falling in Affinity, and I'm like, I, it's like two and four to me sound great. One and three, just I don't know, they lost me. Okay, I to each their own. That'll that'll be a good that'll be a good conversation to get into. Uh, all right, so uh, what do you have next on your list? You know, I wanted to get something that was a little bit different that I didn't think I'd end up with on here. But, of course, it came from the album I thought it was. So I'm going to go with Outcry. Oh, okay. And, yeah, this isn't even this isn't even probably my top three song on the album. But, you know, it's it's like the heavy metal 101. You got the, the, the heavy, <laughs> ominous riffing. And you got the string choral, you know, thing on top of it that synths are playing. You know, you got a similar thing going through the verse, you know. Um Jordan has all kinds of cool keyboard, different keyboard sounds he plays on this song too. Um, but you know the prog parts, all this great, you know, eight tonality, you know, all those stuff that doesn't sound it sounds like it shouldn't even be playing together, you know, a mishmash, but it's all perfectly, you know, rhythmically, it's great. Yeah. And uh, but I love it's like two minutes left in the song, that little simple piano thing he plays. It's just like four or five notes, man. It just, oh yep. man, it takes this whole. Because you kind of been you know beat over the head with all this other stuff, and then now oh, let's just play this one little motif riff here. It's super basic, but these notes he hits are just real borderline haunting. I guess is the word. Yeah, um, I love Outcry. I I would kill to see this be one. You know, have them do a tour where they play this whole album. You know, <laughs> I, I don't know if that'll ever happen. Maybe they might because it's the first one with with you know Mangini. But but uh, I would love to see this. They did play a lot of it on that tour. I will say that when I, when I caught them in Cleveland on that one, they did play a lot of that stuff. Um, I, I'm I'm glad you brought up that little piano thing because I I've always loved that part of the song too, and I, I kind of look at it the same way you do. Uh, I I think this is a great example of them knowing when you've beaten someone's ears to death long enough, and then you kind of like you know pump the brakes a little bit, kind of give them something to refresh themselves. Uh, th- that that part has always felt like that to me. And like you said, it's, it's, it's a perfect little melody. It's very simplistic. Uh, it's, it's very basic, especially for Jordan, but I think it fits in there like perfectly, you know, it's, it's, a, it's the perfect spot for it. It's really, really cool to throw something like that into a song like this. Um, I, it was just, that was, it, it, it was fun. It's funny because, you know, th- this record was solely written by John and Jordan you know, there's no outside influences whatsoever, pretty much. And I, it, this kind of like sounds like that. It's like I, I can just hear them in the studio with 
Petrucci doing all this crazy stuff, and then Jordan going, "Okay, we need to back off of this for a second. Like, I got this, dude. You know, he plays this little simple thing, you know, on the piano, and just to try and like calm things down for a second. All right, so I am going to go. I have another one which I I, I think you may have on the list. So I'm going to go with something a little a little out there. I'm going to go with Space Dive Vest. And the reason is because that is just a weird song. Ugh. And I, again, I, I think the melodies on it are really cool. You, you probably hate this song. You're like, am, am, I, am I right? I, you the, know, I don't want to say I hate it. I, just, I don't understand the fascination with it. I mean, this, <laughs> this, is, this is example 101 of the piano sounds awful on this song. The sound itself. Um, okay. Yeah, you I, know, but it's not a real piano. We know that, but uh, yeah. and there's really not hardly there's no guitars in this, is there? I mean, uh, I mean at, at the end, <clears throat> you know, I mean it goes through it goes through most of it without. Yeah, I just I I love how <clears throat> ethereal this is, and and again, you know, if if we're telling people like, hey, here here's Dream Theater, like they're really progressive, they're really progressive, like this is one of those weird things that you show people and say, you know, sometimes they they get these really atmospheric, moody parts in their songs. And this song is basically that all the way through. And it, again, like I've said about some of these other songs, there's something really interesting about it to my ear. It's it's unique. Again, there's nothing else like it in the catalog, but it has those dream theater elements that people who may not be as familiar with the band might think of when, oh, I heard dream theater is this, I heard they're that, you know. This would be one of those songs where they would listen to it and go, "Oh yeah, this is this is out there." Like, okay, this is this is kind of like what I expected. Um, you don't like the keys on it? I think they sound cool just because it th- there there's a certain mood to the whole thing, and especially knowing what the lyrics are about. You know, Kevin Moore wrote this about you know some model in a magazine that he saw, and she was wearing a space dive vest. And he apparently fell in love with her, and he was telling people, he's like, you know, the, the ironic thing is, like, I can never meet her. Like, for the love to remain pure, like, she has to stay on the page. If I met her, it would just shatter everything. And James Labrie in the book said, you know, that Kevin Moore actually, like, walked around with this magazine for quite a while. And he was, like, totally into this chick that was in, a, in an ad of some kind. So just that concept is interesting. And then, you know, the the you know, the, the movie snippets that are in there and stuff. Uh, just this song's just creepy. And I like that. It's like, you know, something out of a horror movie in a way. Oh, Hey, my buddy, my buddy, Daryl Hasse. I grew up with him. He's from uh, St. Louis. Like me said, yeah. it's more a song that just what you got done saying is Kevin's song and not really a DT song. Yeah. Well, and they said, you know, if, if they had known he was quitting at the time that he brought it to the band, because he brought this in as a, as a completed piece and just said, here, play this. They had said that if, if they knew he was quitting, that they wouldn't have stuck it on the album because it was really weird and different. And, um, and like I say, going back to the book, they had said that they were never going to play it live. Well, then all of a sudden on the self-titled tour, when they were also celebrating you know, the 15th anniversary of uh, Scenes from Memory and the 20th anniversary of Awake, they played it, which I thought was was really really cool. I know I know when I saw the show in Chicago and they went into that piano part, I was like, "What? Oh yes!" <laughs> like it's one of those like surprise moments um, that you just never think you're going to get to see. Well, here's a question I have: 
and this is why I I would love to know. Okay, if two years later, James Le, or Labrie came to them and said, "Hey, I have an idea for a song. It's about me being in love with this chick that's on the cover of a magazine." They would have punched him in the face, <laughs> thrown him out the back door, and said, "You're fired." It's a horrible really idea. Yeah, I, th- I think it's. I think it's completely corny. But hey, I've never understood. I mean, especially now knowing the history of the song, like I don't know. I don't understand the fascination with it. But hey, you know, if, if people like it, that's cool. Well, I think they were trying to appease him a little bit because they said they they felt some distance growing between him and the other guys, and. Uh, so I think I think I think they're trying to appease him and kind of be like, oh yeah, maybe if we let him do this kind of thing, like he'll be more satisfied in the band and whatnot. Um, yeah. So I think I think that was part of the part of the reasoning behind it. So I mean, it's weird. It's taken on this this life of of you know, like you said, it's like this giant sacred cow of a song now that you know everyone <laughs> wants to hear. I guess all the fanboys. <laughs> yeah. Right, count me in. Yeah. Guilty as charged, man. That's me, fanboy for the song. Uh, all right, so what do you have next on your list? Uh, I'm going with another Captain Obvious, Metropolis. I actually did not have that one on there. No? Probably because I think, it, it to me, I was like, okay, that one was pretty obvious. Yeah, it was just, it was so obvious that I don't think I couldn't, you know, I couldn't put it on. It was, it was I've, you know, I kind of fretted around between that and breaking all illusions, and I'm like, man, this is just the quintessential, you know, this is the song to me, you know, their first song really that they have on any of their albums. That's like, okay, this is really, this is their ceiling of what they can, you know, well, not their yeah. ceiling, but this is where they're going. And this is the kind of stuff that's probably going to be coming down the road. You know, it's just gigantic melodies and, you know, cool changes. And, and I love all the chord choices and I love the way the song flows and the different, you know, things they throw in there. And uh, yeah, it's, it's got to it de- be in there. Yeah, it definitely has all the elements of, you know, what they came to be known as, which which is really cool. And I, I do agree with you, even though I don't have it on my list. I kind of it, it's in hindsight, when you look at it, it's like if you have pull me under on the gateway songs, you have to have this one. You know, this is the pull me under for the progressive list, you know, because it's everybody's everybody's go to. You know, they, they did this as an encore so many times and they've done it live you know how many gajillion times and it's everybody just loves this song and uh i I think to this day it's it still has pretty much you know one of the coolest you know uh uh keyboard guitar dueling lead solos that they've ever done and you know it's it's weird like i i would kind of see this one as a little bit unrelenting like i saw the glass prison not in terms of the heaviness but it is progressive all the way through and it's <laughs> you know it's it just it's just it's just all over the map and it's really you know it's cool that way well here's matt i was wondering we hadn't heard from him since episode one we i'd say we really missed him but i'm not going to sit here and lie <laughs> he's saving it up he's saving it up <laughs> uh probably derek sherinian he was the one that always got all the chicks <laughs> right? i'm not even going to answer i wouldn't even know all right so uh next on my list how many more how many more you want to do you want to do two more how many more do you have uh a couple more go ahead i'll see what see what you end up with here actually now now that i'm looking i only have two more so there you go (laughs) okay um i'm gonna go with the dark eternal night 
that that is pretty much just a lumbering beast of a song and it it always holds a special place in my heart because seeing that song live when they had that really cool animation during the middle part it was you know because they had done like the the cartoon stuff for Octavarium on you know the previous tour and then on this tour they had the cartoon stuff during the crazy instrumental part in the middle uh in the middle of this one and so i i always love that it's it's really really cool uh and again we revisit the old-timey piano that kind of like you know the sinister you know kind of villainous piano music there in the middle and uh obviously we can't talk about this song without talking about that enormous breakdown at the end <laughs> that was as, as many heavy things as they've done that was really the first time where they got into that super simple just just absolutely just smash you over the head with simplistic heavy brutality for a couple minutes and you know this was uh what is that thing called the 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 you know that that infinity piano or whatever Jordan's got. It's like you know what I'm talking about. I I'm drawing a complete blank oh, on what the it's called. Seaboard or whatever. It's I there's a there's a term for it. And I'm drawing okay. a blank. I feel like an idiot, but so hey, I feel like more yeah. of an idiot because I should know. Yeah, Cody <laughs> Co- Cody says the dark Nintendo night. Yes, that was <laughs> awesome. If 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 any of you watching or listening have not heard the dark Nintendo night, look that up. That is really awesome. <laughs> it's really really good. Um, oh, you told the continuum. Con- yeah, thank you. The yes, thank you, Cody. Continuum. That's what I was looking for. Thank you. I don't know why that I've, I've known that for years. I don't know why it just all of a sudden left me. Uh, so, w- what are your thoughts on this song? Yeah, uh, great song. It was on the um, the pay per view, right? Didn't they put this on that? Didn't they play that? This? Was the, that was the, is the show opener? Yeah, show opener. Yeah, this song. Um, yeah, this is just a great chunky, heavy, super long. You know all the elements are there in this one it this one always kind of this one in night nightmare to remember always kind of sort of similar to me you know I, there's still elements in there that are that are very similar and but they're both very cool and they're still kind of distinct songs um yeah. i didn't put this one in there because i put uh not to jump myself but i did put nightmare to remember in there <laughs> we can we can move on to that. That's fine. So I, yeah, and I think they're very similar. I, I and I didn't want to put them both in there, and I thought maybe you might have this one anyway. So yeah, th- this one this is another one that just stuck out like a sore thumb to me. You know, I, I had a few songs right off the bat that started my list. I was like, oh, these have to be on there, and this was this was one of those because it's just you know again if you're going to talk about them being a metal band, this has all those elements, and then that middle part just gets completely crazy and. You know, it's got that really weird vocal with, you know, James doing the da 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 while you know Portman is doing the draw with the draw draw. So it it made for a really cool vocal combining those things. And again, it's you know maybe maybe I I skew my choices towards things I've seen live, but every time I've seen this song live, it's just been just like a hammer to the face it's just so heavy and so good so i i really like it all right so your next one is a nightmare to remember yeah you know speaking of giant huge dark evil songs you know it, again this is the same kind of a feel that this one flat out feels like a horror movie with all of the quirky little keyboard sounds you know jordan has going on Yes. But it's got that incredible that vocal part we talk about where he, it shifts into that you know slower part and with, with the guitar playing those 
you know those clean parts and that hopelessly drifting and bathing and beautiful agony part like man when they shift into that part you're like where the hell did this come from <laughs> like <laughs> i mean that's one of their most beautiful transitions pieces of music that in the entire dream theater catalog and all of a sudden that's just like plopped right in the middle of this huge heavy you know horror movie soundtrack song and i, I love it yeah i i completely agree the the middle part of the song is one of the best melodic moments i think in their entire catalog it's just put together so well and it's atmospheric and it's it's just god it's you know i guess i used the word beautiful earlier like and i think this this definitely is another one of those moments that i think you could consider beautiful and it is interesting because it comes you know in between these it's like the the meat in this like heavy metal sandwich <laughs> so you know the you know the, the first third and the and the and the last third of this song are just really pretty brutal and you know like you know Cody mentioned you know Portnoy playing blast beats like yeah like he's playing blast beats in this song and you know it's got it's got the cookie monster vocals and a lot of double bass and this, this song is just awesome and it's it's it, this is also one of those songs for me like we we've talked about that it it's a long song, but you don't realize how long it is because you're just kind of into it and you're just kind of, you know, not again, no pun intended along for the ride. You're, you're completely bought into the song. So you're just really getting into it. All right. So I will go to my last choice here. I'm going with panic attack and that's, you know, I, th I think this might be the shortest one on my list. Like I say that it, my list was 10 songs, and again, I cheated by, you know, smashing Lie and Mirror together, and I also had both, you know, I, I, In the Presence of Enemies as one thing, but my, my list was two hours, one minute, and 52 seconds, <laughs> so it was, it was over two hours for only 10 songs, so, um, you know, but yeah, I mean, Panic Attack, I, I what more can you say? If you're going to talk about a progressive song by Dream Theater, you know, the bass is, you know, that that craziness and, you know, the drum beat in the, in the verse, you know, Portnoy's doing his spider thing where he's hitting everything. And, um, and it, it's got a really interesting vocal change for Labrie when he did that, I want to hide that, you know, real breathy kind of warbly kind of sound that he had never done before. So, this song just has a lot of really cool aspects to it in in a very short, concise package. So I, I, I thought this was a good one for me to close out my list with. I can't hear you. You muted yourself. That's good. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. <laughs> I can hear myself yeah. fine when I'm muted. That's weird. <laughs> nice work. Yeah. No, th this song... Uh, there's a couple songs on this album where he gets into that voice. It's uh, you know very reminiscent of Muse people have talked about that before and i think the music even kind of feels like muse at sometimes of it it's just a very heavy song i'm not a lot of people love this song i'm not a huge fan of this one i feel it's a slightly one-dimensional i don't like i don't think there's enough melody in it for what i know i can get from other songs but uh you know it is very heavy and i do like the the part that you're talking about what he does vocally i do like that there yeah yeah this this like i say this this is just one of those ones that it's kind of all over the place. It, it's 
the title of the song really fits the mood of the music, which doesn't happen with songs very often. But this really is kind of like a you know schizophrenic, like your mind's all over the the place kind of a feel. And I I've always really kind of dug that about this song. All right, so your last choice before I go or- to my before I go to my last one, I'm shocked that you did not have change of seasons. <laughs> I thought that was so obvious that, you know, I mean, I could I could have gone with the change of seasons. I could have gone with Octavarium, which I think is going to be your your last choice. By the way, um, I'm, I'm going to see if I'm right in a minute here. But I mean, I, I could have gone with the Count of Oh no no the Count of Tuscany. You're going to go with the Count of Tuscany. Never mind. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm correcting my choice. Yeah, I've got to go Count of Tuscany, man. I, I can't. Yeah. Uh... I did have Octavarium on here, but since you cut yours down, I'll cut mine down. It's okay. Um, <laughs> All right, so I, I wasn't wrong. Okay, yeah, I wasn't yeah, wrong. Count of Tuscany has to be on there. I mean, it, yep. nineteen minute song. I don't know. To me, it doesn't feel nineteen minutes, but I've also heard it seven thousand times probably. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love the way the song starts out with that acoustic guitar, and then that soaring electric guitar. It's almost. It kind of reminds me of, of Tony McAlpine, like uh, something off his first or second albums. He used to play a real melodic style like that in some of his themes, um, you know. And then it kicks in, and, and Jordan kicks in with some of those that cool back and forth thing on the mood keyboard. And then he's yep. got all those great string parts that it just kind of soar in and out throughout the sort of make the whole song, those awesome strings he's playing. And, uh, you know, then you got the, the, that real slow breakdown with the guitar was with, do, with doing all those swelling type things or whatever he's doing on the guitar there. Yep. Um, that cool solo at the end. And then when it kicks in again with those great soaring, uh, you know, strings again, and the melodies are just, I just love this song. I mean, I think when you're in that dream theater group, I mean, favorite song, this comes up, you know, I, I think there was a poll in there and it, this was like number one or number two. I mean, people just love this song. Yeah. I, I, I will not disagree. I, I think I left this one off because I knew again <laughs> that you would have this. I com- I'm in complete agreement with you. I, I think this is just an awesome song. Um, if I had a complaint, I would say that middle part, like the breakdown gets a it could be shortened a little bit um but that's a very minor gripe and I still love it uh the, it, it's cool because like you know it's a very interesting story that he's telling you know during the song and it's it it's it's cool it's almost like this song almost feels to me like the astonishing where you know, it's like a, you're listening to a movie. Like this kind of feels like that to me, and I, I really, I really enjoy that aspect of the song. And it's, I don't know, I, I, I agree with you. I think I, everything you said. I, I, I think I would. I don't really have much to add to that because I feel the same way. It's, you know, the the melodies that they choose are great, and it's it's a cool song lyrically, and like you said, the solos, and you know, the way the song ends. It's like it, it definitely builds to this crescendo, which is really cool. Yeah, I think lyrically you feel it too because they, you know, when you read about the history of the song, it was basically just based on they went out in the wine country with this guy and they were drinking different wines and this and that. And you get this feel of literally like cruising through the, you know, through the mounds of Italy or whatever. You can sort of feel that feeling with the, you know, the way that the strings, especially the string parts and the guitars and what they're doing and whatnot. And, you know, just it has that feeling of transporting you to that actual thing, you know. 
Yes. And uh, I, yeah, yeah, just just such a you just get a real high off of this song is my is my feeling. Sure. Yeah. So would you say this is your all time favorite Dream Theater song? Yeah, it's that's probably a no brainer at this point. <laughs> yeah, I mean I, I have I have Trial of Tears. So you know, like I say, this this list of mine tonight basically started to turn into John's favorite songs list. So if we ever if we ever do that episode, I, I've already given away some of my main choices. So it's, well, yeah, it'll I be mean, interesting. I've, I've got probably at least three on here. You know, that if I'm making my dream list, <laughs> I'd, I'd please play these. You know, <laughs> so. your dream list is, is just going to be the track list for a dramatic turn of events. <laughs> Well, that and Count of Tuscany. So. Yeah, <laughs> that 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 that's your dream dream yeah. theater show. Just do a dramatic turn of events and then do Count of Tuscany. Okay, see you, everybody. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> like, Bye. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, this was fun, man. It was it was definitely interesting. I knew we would have a couple similar ones, but there were some some on here that I didn't I didn't think that you would have. So there were again, as with the gateway lists, there was definitely some surprises in here. There's a couple that almost made it. I don't know if you want to hear these. Well. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Um, well, I, I thought for sure you would have tests that stumped them all because you said that last week, but you changed your mind I, on that one. Um, yeah, that's just so short. You know, I I think in two and a half minutes or two minutes and forty seconds, whatever it is, that's just not enough time to really get the point of the band across. You know, it's it's by the time it starts and you're like, okay, what is this? It's over. <laughs> so. Another one I had kind of just off, almost made um, at wit's end. Yeah. I wasn't wow, sure. Yeah. Like that one, I wasn't sure on that if it was, if I considered it proggy enough. It was tons of cool melody. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, that piano thing he does in there, it's just, I, I love that part. And then, the, yeah. you know, we talked before the way the guitar soars at the end there. Yep. Um, that one was almost on there. Dystopian Overture almost made it. <laughs> really? I thought, there, I thought there wasn't enough. You know, it's more of a symphony type piece, you know. That, I almost put it in there, though, because I, I love so much how that how that starts that, that album, you know, after you get the, the Descent of the Nomax thing. I, I love that Dystopian Overture. Yeah. That's, wow. You see, I didn't even think to put anything from the Astonishing because I I love the album, but to me it's that was the only I, thing. actually yeah I sorry to cut you off I you know what I would say I I would say that I'm I mean I would give an honorable mention to that entire record because that is such a dream theater thing to do you know in a in a time where attention spans are incredibly short you know they put out like a two hour record that's a concept album <laughs> it's you know basically like listening to a movie almost uh that's that's about the most progressive e dream theater e thing they could possibly do so i would i would give a i i would i would give an honorable mention to the astonishing album <laughs> as, as a whole yeah I, um i mean to me that was only one if i'm taking a singular song off of there you know obviously but uh yeah i think those that was pretty much it for my what i thought you would have and uh yeah, Sacrifice Sons was one weird one that I'm still on the oh, fence on that one. <laughs> that's a good one. That I, that's I love that's the a good uh one. the eerie piano that starts that, you know, into yeah. this like almost like a dirge type thing. Yeah. Um in the chorus, you know, who would wish this on our people? I love the way he sings that. Yep. Um cool song, but 
it's kind of hard to kick anything else out to put that in there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just had the 10 that I mentioned. I, f- I figured, you know, we'd have a couple crossovers, and I mean, I, I probably could have kept going, honestly, but I decided, you know, I decided not to. Like I say, I mean, a change of seasons was so glaringly obvious that I was like, yeah, that's, let's not do that. <laughs> so, you know, low-hanging fruit was not something I was trying to do on this one. <laughs> I felt right. like that would have, I felt like that would have been actually cheating. Like, right. ah, change of seasons, like, you know, so... I de- I did not put it in there for that reason. So, um, well, hey, again, man, this was fun. Thanks, uh, thanks everyone for tuning in. In uh, the next episode, I may be out of Facebook live streaming jail, so we should be back on our Facebook platforms as well as YouTube. If not, then it'll be the episode after that. So, thanks for coming and hanging out with us on our YouTube on our YouTube channel. We appreciate it. Uh, make sure you're clicking that like button, that subscribe button, so you guys get notified whenever we're going live. If we put something, you know, off schedule out, so make sure that you are subscribed to the channel and everything. Uh, and hey, what, what should we talk about next time? Are we going to do the awake uh, deep dive? You want to do that since we completely disagreed on that? <laughs> sure. Why Perfect. not? Let's let's do awake deep deep dive. You've been waiting for this one anyway. I know. Yeah, I. You know, there's not too many things that we disagree on with the Dream Theater catalog, but this is definitely one of them. So may come uh, to fisticuffs. <laughs> I highly a, doubt it. A, a Donnie Brook. Yes. <laughs> so, or at least a, a minor brouhaha. <laughs> Are you, are you trying to get in all these words for like St. Patrick's Day coming up yeah. here? On, <laughs> what is it on, on Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever? Right. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, everybody, so if you are uh, checking this out on YouTube, if you would like to go revisit the audio version of the show, just basically Google us. You can find us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, a bunch of other platforms. You can download us there if you want to listen to it in your car and all that kind of good stuff. So uh, if you have an idea for the show, please let us know. You can email us, talkingintoinfinity at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Facebook. So let us know if there's something you want to talk about. And uh, we'll we'll sneak it in for you. So until next time, I am John. He is my good friend Brian, and we will catch you in two weeks. The date would be Thursday, March twenty fifth at seven thirty p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thanks, everyone. Hey, everyone! Thanks for checking out Talking Into Infinity, a Dream Theater podcast. Just wanted to remind you that we want you to be a part of the show. If you give us a like on Facebook or follow us on Twitter, at T-I-I-D-T Podcast, we post the schedule of when we are recording the show live. It is a streaming video platform on our Facebook and YouTube pages, and it has a live chat feature where you can comment on the show, ask questions, and we can bring your remarks up on the screen and have you drive the conversation. So, again, give us a like on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at T-I-I-D-T Podcast. And come hang out with us and be a part of the show. Thanks again and carpe diem. <laughs>